Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the July edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast Show with the great Ray Ferraro. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. We're going to talk about the free agent frenzy that is uh, somewhat uh, over now, um, and also Connor McDavid's new deal. Talk about the Hall of Fame a little bit. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on iTunes. Uh, get it on any kind of podcatcher that you uh, that you subscribe to. Uh, leave us a note. Review the show. Really appreciate it. Two under the number two UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. Uh, use the code Ferraro twenty to save. A lot of NHLers uh, wear two under and uh, try it out. The best men's underwear out there. Also, too, with it, with it being July, I'm sure a lot of you people have boats. With such a limited time in which in which to enjoy your watercraft, don't waste any of it worrying about how to protect your property in the event of an accident or a theft. Let Wyatt Dowling ensure you are properly covered. Uh, Three-year new model replacement, uh, water ski, wakeboard liability included. Allpointsinsurance.ca. Allpointsinsurance.ca. Uh, go there and, uh, yeah, uh, hook up your watercraft so that everything's okay all summer long. And uh, we thank those guys for coming on the show. And uh, we thank, again, you people for listening. With me on the line, former Hartford Whaler, New York Islander, L.A. King, New York Ranger, St. Louis Blue, Atlanta Thrasher, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you? I am great. I am in summer mode now. Yeah. Um, once free agency ended, you know, the big the big day is July 1st. So once we get to midnight on July 1st into July 2nd, I'm on holidays. So it's uh, it's time to catch up with family. It's time to uh, get to work at the golf course and uh, <laughs> see if I can, you know, yeah. rejig my swing again and which is always, which is probably the reason you play all the time, is because you can never get it right. And um, so we're lots of family time, having having a good start to the summer. That's funny because we're going to bump these up to two or three a week, right? <clears throat> yeah, really. Who are you going to do them with? <laughs> I thought with you, Ray Ferraro. <laughs> oh no, no, that no. will not happen. <laughs> all right, um, it, is, it is it is time for what? Now all the big signings are done yeah. for the most part. Um, no, it's, it's Hold on, training camps in you, September, man. You did radio hit last week, or this week, this week, I'm sorry, I'm, I've lost my days. You're doing radio hits this week. Yeah, this is the end of it. Okay. I, I, so I, <laughs> I put the period on Vancouver, Toronto, yep. Ottawa, Montreal, so just kind of working my way back across and Edmonton right. today, and that'll be it. I uh I've been on a plane. Uh, I got two more flights, and then I'm I'm off for uh, no flying for 18 days. So I'm very excited about that. It um, is nice, isn't it? Yeah, but but I got to get through tomorrow. I go to Hartford, and then I'm back, and then uh, then I'm out. So uh, I get a little uh, bit of a break. whale. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait whale. to go. Uh, the only airport that I go to that has NHL merchandise, uh, and, and it's Hartford, who hasn't had a team forever. So. <laughs> <laughs> How funny is that? It's really weird, but that is pretty good. That is pretty good stuff. Um, I almost didn't want to do this with you because we should have done it earlier. But I was traveling; my schedule didn't work, and it's actually a good thing because I 
if we had tried to do it closer to the first, I would not have been able to handle you and your smugness of, of Red Sox Nation after that blow, the sweep of the Jays, and just on Canada Day too, fifteen to one on Canada Day. That was uh, quite satisfying <laughs> as a Red Sox fan, <laughs> and um, of course last year, um, all I heard from the guys that I work with, and you know, and all you know, it, well, basically the media in Canada jumped on board, and you know, the Blue Jays train for the last two years is getting pretty full. And all of a sudden, it seems to be losing a few passengers. And so I did enjoy, on July 1st, taking a screenshot of the standings <laughs> and sending it to my producer and my director, who, are, who during games are giving me Blue Jays updates, like I, last year, you know, like in the playoffs yeah, yeah, or in the right, stretch run. Right. And, you know, uh, the game's going on, and I get in my ear from the producer, uh, base hit Donaldson. <laughs> And I have to tell him I don't care, yeah. but I do. But I'm, you know, I don't yeah. want to care. Yeah, yeah. And so this was, this was a very good. Uh, this has been a very good stretch for uh. my Red Sox, and I did enjoy uh, sending the screenshot of the standings to them. And uh, now, just because part of being a fan is being able to be an ass when you can, mm-hmm. I just send one-word emails to them um, uh, that say sale. And that's it. Or <laughs> this week it was Ben Attendee. Ben Attendee. Uh, last week it was Betts. That's all I send. And uh, it's funny, I get a two-word answer most of the time. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Real short, two words, a little, little yeah, bit of letters. Um, I, uh, it's the worst. And we talk about this in hockey. And, again, I, I kind of got back into the Blue Jays. I always liked them, obviously, you know, followed them. And I got back in, you know, when they got Dickey. And, and that season was terrible. But I'm kind of all in the last three or four years with baseball, more than I've ever been. It's surprising myself. But uh, right now, they are the worst kind of team. Bad, old, and expensive. Like, it's, there's, there's just one yeah, place you don't uh, want to be. Like, <laughs> that's like Tommy Boy. When, uh, you know, when uh, David Spade says to him, you know, uh, fat, drunk, and stupid, no way to go through life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's funny how two years ago they didn't seem old, or last year they didn't seem old. They were just yeah. good. But it, I, I say this quite frequently when we talk about older players in the NHL, and a player never really wants to give in or never acknowledges that they're getting old. But you start to notice a few things that you can't do that maybe other people don't notice. Mm-hmm. And I went away from the season when I was 37. I had 76 points in Atlanta. And over the summer, I tweaked my knee in training. Um, I had a scope right before camp, mm-hmm. and it was like I got old. <laughs> my 38-year-old year yep. was like I was carrying around a bag of rocks. But at 37, which is literally months before, yep. I was I was terrific, but all of a sudden I got old, and it happens to players in baseball. Look at the year the really popular Jason Grilly had last year. Yep, he was amazing, fantastic for them. But he's thirty-seven, mm-hmm. and now this year he couldn't get anybody out. He gives up four home runs in an inning. They release him, he gets picked up. But like that's an example of a guy that maybe you didn't think was going to be as good as last year, but. It's like you fell off the table. Yep. And, it, and it's hard to – you can say, oh, trade these guys and get players back. Well, 
then you're going to get picks or prospects. Those are three and four years away in baseball. Like, it's a long yep. time. And so now they're trying to do this dance of be sort of competitive while they're moving into these younger players. But as you're moving into the younger players, those younger guys start to get more expensive. And then you're in a spot again. Yep. So it's a, it's a real tight dance they're trying to work, and it's tough when you're at the bottom of the standings. Wow. What they need is to make a couple trades like the Yankees did yep. a year ago where they just totally replenished their prospect pool. And yep. if they're able to do that, then you know that's like the first turn in the road to, mm-hmm. to being, com- you know, being really competitive again. Well, and uh, you know, I hate to say it, but yeah, the Red Sox future looks very bright. Great players everywhere yeah. you look. Panda's not working out again, but that's okay. They'll just eat that money. Yeah, so he's only got a couple of years at like yeah. $25 million left. <laughs> right, right. Uh, oh, my God. Um, hey, uh, so free agent frenzy, like we said, uh, we're a little bit late to it, so we're going to recap it all. But there's no bigger contract, um, and I know you're going to think I'm going to say Connor McDavid, but no bigger contract for you, Ray Ferraro, than Landon Ferraro. Two-year deal working his way back from a torn ACL and a two-year deal with the Wild. That's awesome. Congrats to you and Landon. You got to be stoked. Oh, thanks. We are really excited. It was uh, when he got hurt in late December. Um, that basically became about seven months of total uncertainty because mm-hmm. you've got to re. First of all, the surgery has to go well, and he was really fortunate. The Blues um, uh, have been St. Louis had been terrific with you know selecting the surgeon and then letting him do the rehab. Uh, uh, back home here in Vancouver where he's got access to some great people. And so the surgeon um, apparently did a great job because almost, well, say almost immediately, but within a couple of months he started to feel really good. Mm-hmm. And then his rehab has gone spotlessly. Uh, he's been skating for quite a bit of time and uh, three times, four times a week already. And uh, so he's got an all clear. And then uh, he got that in kind of the middle of June and then, you know, in that free agent week uh, before July 1st, he talked to a couple of different teams and felt like there was some really good interest. But you you never really know until mm-hmm. the you know until the offer comes through. And um, and he got this offer from Minnesota. They kicked back and forth some of the terms, and um, they were able to come up with a two-year deal, which is is outstanding for him. And you know. Yeah. He's 100% healthy, but he hasn't played games since December. It'll be 10 months. And so, you know, he's he's going to be ready to go at camp. You just hope is, you know, you're able to, to be ready to go at camp Yeah. Uh, for the exhibition games. And there's there's room on the roster to push his way on. So there's a real good opportunity for him. Yeah, well, that's awesome. No, good to hear. And a uh, two-year deal is good, too, like you said, right? Like you, I, w- I would have expected a one-year deal for a guy coming off an ACL, you know, that was uh, in the A. But uh, that's awesome. That's great. They must really yeah, show. Well, he faith, had to, you, know? you know, he had to show them that he was healthy. And yeah, how does that um, work? Do they you know, just show him a video, or what? what does, he go for, does he go testing? Well, he's, there are videos that you know were sent along. There's okay. uh, the doctor's reports that yep. the player doesn't have to turn over. Now, those are you know those are private medical yeah. records, so yep. a player can choose not to turn them over. Right. Um, but that wasn't the case, and so Minnesota yep. had access to that. And yep. It's the same for anybody that's hurt. Um, Anybody that's going to a new team, uh, you know, you got to think about it. The new team's going to commit years and dollars to a player, and they want to make sure that they do everything they can to make oh, sure yeah. the player's healthy, that the player's 
um, you know, doesn't have any lingering problems because once you pick up the, the contract, I mean, it's, you know, you get the whole ball of wax. And so the Wild did their, did the research. They, you know, health-wise, they've obviously seen him play over the last five years. They, when Landon went to Boston on waivers, um, uh, I believe Minnesota had a waiver claim in for him, but oh, they okay. were, yep. they were lower on the totem pole. And, mm-hmm. you know, so teams have got, you know, teams have have scouting reports on pretty much every player in the American and National League. Uh, that that comes from their pro scouts. That um, a team will exam for example will have six pro scouts, and they'll each get five teams. And so, if you if one of your teams, for example, is Pittsburgh, your responsibility is is not just the Penguins, but everybody else in their pro chain. Yeah. So if there's a deal being made. And your general manager says, "What about this guy playing in the American League? You need to have a report on him." Yep. And so it, it's not like there's any anonymous players to the teams. There might be to all of us that watch, but mm-hmm. not to the team. Yep. Not if they're good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so free agent uh, frenzy happened. Uh, you were in Toronto mm-hmm. working for the folks at TSN and everything else. Um, interested though for you. How was it when you were a free agent? Times are different. Uh, you were never, you know, uh, a Kevin Shattenkirk or whatever, one of these guys that, you know, was the number one free agent. But you were a pretty good player. How many times were you a UFA? And how did that process uh, go? And how did it go? Uh, twice. Once went really good. Once didn't go so well. Okay. Um, so I was a free agent in the summer of 95. And... Um, my salary. Uh, I was playing for the Islanders, mm-hmm. and my salary was six seventy five, six hundred seventy five thousand. And they released the new league averages, and that my salary fell, I think, twelve thousand oh. dollars below the yep. league average. Which, because of my time in the league, made me an unrestricted free agent. So, like on June twenty fifth, I found out I was an unrestricted free agent. And on July 1st, um, I got an offer from Dallas and I got an offer from the Rangers. Mm-hmm. And um, there were two free agents really on the market that summer at, that were centers. Yep. Myself and Joel Otto. And um, Joel was a great big yep. hulking defensive centerman. And I was a little offensive player. So we were not really competing with, with each other. Uh, you know, a team that was looking at Auto wasn't looking at me. And so I was able to, well, my agent was able to work Dallas against New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a really good position to be in. And I ended up signing. So I, I was on an expiring contract for 675 and I signed a four-year deal for $1.6 million per year uh, with the Rangers on, I think, July 5th. Nice. So it went, it went really good. Yeah. Couldn't have gone better. Um, let me ask you this, though. Time, Hold on a second, though. You're a 40-goal yeah. guy, 30-goal guy, 40-goal guy with the Islanders yeah. and Hartford yeah. and everything else. And how are you making under the league average? Like I, I don't um, understand. Because I had signed a three-year deal, and as as usually or as usual yeah. with me, um, when I signed, my best years were right after I signed. Okay, all right. Not not I, I like the comfort for whatever reason yep. of having a deal done. Yeah. So the, the salaries get recalculated every year. Mm-hmm. And 
somebody must or there must have been five or seven or ten big signings. Yeah, it was that, around that in, era in the course of my yeah. contract, and yeah. so I fell below the average. Now you got to remember, it was 1995, it's 20 years ago. Yeah, it's crazy though the because salaries were what they were, but I fell just underneath it. It's still crazy so though, I, you know and, that you and were. also, uh, also Steve the. Uh, the rules were different. You used to not be an unrestricted free agent by rules until 28. Yep. And I just fell under it by good fortune. Yeah. And so I was able to move. Now the the contracts and the um, and the rules are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't. So I mean, they, the Islanders had a choice to make me an offer. Um, but I was an unrestricted free agent because I was underneath yep. the league average. And I got a call actually from Mike Milbury, who had just taken over as the general manager. Mm-hmm. And he said, we'd like to have you back, but I don't think we're going to be in the game. Right. Um, and, and that was it. So the, so Dallas and the Rangers really well. The other time was, you know, four knee surgeries later, I was in Atlanta yep. or I was with the Kings. Yep. They told me they weren't going to resign me. And I don't think, man, I don't think I signed for a month. And it wasn't as it was as an unrestricted free agent. They'd gone through the expansion draft, yep. so no, you know they weren't going to select me if they were interested because I was mm-hmm. unrestricted. And I signed. I want to say like July twenty third or fourth, something like that. Were you stressing? Oh yeah, I was yeah. thirty five years old, right? Off right. Of knee surgery, yeah. And um, you know, I, I I was sure I was going to get, or I was relatively sure I was going to get some kind of contract, and. Um, as it turned out, I signed a two-year deal in Atlanta, but um, you know it was a heavily bonus-laden contract. Basically, they were concerned that my health wasn't going to hold up. Um, when you were the hot free agent with the Rangers in Dallas, now does Dallas and the Rangers call you yourself? I mean, how does that work? Do they? I mean, obviously with the agent's permission, but are they reaching out to you yourself and being like, hey, this is so-and-so, Bob Gainey maybe back then, and uh, maybe Sather, and they're like, hey, you know, or, or, or how does that work? Do, does the, do the teams reach uh, out at all? They call both. Okay. Uh, they call you and tell you they're interested, but all the business stuff goes through your agent. Yeah. So once I made, once they made initial contract or contact, I talked to my agent. Um, Dallas made an offer mm-hmm. right away, and uh, so I, I was in Dallas actually um, with my wife at the time, and we were looking at houses and schools and oh, okay. negotiating with them at the same time. And oh, I didn't know that. And I got a call from, <clears throat> excuse me, from my agent, and he said the Rangers have come in with a, mm-hmm. a really good offer, and um, uh, Neil Smith was the general manager, and uh, he said, right, right now, um, don't agree to anything in Dallas. <laughs> and so I, you know, so- basically I shook hands and said, thanks, this is great, and um, you know, we'll have a decision in the next few days. And, um, I went, I went back home and my agent called and, um, literally within, uh, two days, the, the Rangers were basically bidding against themselves, <laughs> which was, you know, which was really good work by my right. agent right. Who, who kept Dallas in the, uh, you know, as a potential, which it yep. was, yep. um, but the Rangers were a year away from a Stanley cup and I wanted to win and even though Dallas's offer was less money, um, with the state tax stuff, yep. it kind of worked out to close to a wash. Signed with the Rangers, and then Neil Smith traded me seven months later to L.A. Yeah, which we you talked know, had, about, right. Had yeah. I had a crystal ball, I would have just signed in Dallas. Um, um, no trades? I was trades pissed off that there were no they trades signed then? me to four years, yeah. and then, you know, and then 
25 goals later, they traded me to, you know, yeah. traded me to Dallas. And you so couldn't get a no not. trade, or did you try? Were they even around then? I didn't even. I don't think I even. I don't even think those were a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, certainly not like today when, right. when um, players get them far more frequently. But um, yeah. So huh. I, I mean, I, I was I was not very happy with. But you know, but I didn't with, with uh, that portion. But I didn't. Re- so you did get the 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 guided tour about coming down to Dallas and looking for like you know what I mean you and your your wife and. And yeah, I went. Like, I yeah, played golf. So. Uh, I played golf with Madonna, Mike Madonna and Brendan Morrow that oh, day. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. And I uh, went through the practice facilities, which they were just finishing. Um, you know, I, I knew Reunion Arena, but um, talked to went for lunch with Bob Ganey, who was a coach and GM. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife was out with I don't know who, and they were uh, looking at schools and houses. Yeah, and, okay. I mean, Dallas is a pretty awesome place. Yeah, it was, yeah. You know, we were really excited about it, and. And then, the, you know, the Rangers came in, and like I said, it was an opportunity, I felt, to be part of a team that had a chance to win, and yeah. um, You're like, it oh. just didn't work out. Right, right. Um, are you a fan of, I think it's two years old now, uh, the the one-week um, wooing period where you can talk, but of course, Ray, you cannot agree to terms. <laughs> you cannot agree to terms in that week. But what do you think of that? Well, um I don't really know what I uh, um, what I think of it, mainly because um, the same things are happening that were happening before. Mm-hmm. Like remember on the old in the old days, you know, not that long ago, July first would come around, free agency would open at noon, yep, and at one o'clock somebody would announce a four year, thirty six million dollar deal, right? And you and you'd have to be an idiot to think they negotiated that in an hour. Yeah. Didn't of course yeah. they talked about it prior to this. Yep. So teams now have this one week dating period where they can talk to multiple free agents. The free agents can talk to teams mm-hmm. and remember the amount of deals that were leaking out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, on <laughs> July 29th and 30th, like, of course they're talking terms in years. Yeah. So I, I don't quite, I don't quite get what the whole point is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the day the Stanley Cup is over, um, you know, I, I mean, really, teams are kind of free to talk at that point. I sure. think. Yep. I don't think they do necessarily because they're still organizing which guys they're going to go to because they have to get by the the buyout periods because certain players get bought out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they become free agents too, and they they jump into the mix. But once you're past that, it's kind of like open season. I mean, July first is, I I think it's been set up as an event day. Mm-hmm. You know, as as like okay, that's the day that all these deals get signed, and it's a real cool day for fans to look at. But I don't know that there's any practical purpose of yeah. of saying you can't sign a deal because they're obviously already agreed upon a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, true. I wasn't able to watch. Uh... Free agent frenzy it was Saturday. I was I was in Michigan. Uh, did O Dog behave himself? There was no off mic. Oh yeah, no nothing uh, nothing okay. out of the order. Okay. Um, we did eat a piece of. He was carving up a Canada 150th birthday cake on the 
on the set, so we had a little bit of that. Right, yeah. He, he was, was actually pretty good. He seemed upset because there wasn't much action to talk about, but uh, there was lots of pl- lots plenty of, plenty of stuff to talk about anyways as far as the past deals that had happened, you know, nothing. Well, I mean, there's a pile of signings. It's just, they, yep. you know, they're not, when you think of it, there's no real deadline to free agency day. Mm-hmm. There's a deadline to the trade deadline. Yep. So, you know, you know that you're building towards whatever at the deadline, like, because it's going to end. Yep. And at free agency, it just ends, and, you know, three days later, yeah. price signs for $84 million, and Galchenyuk just signed, and, you know, like there's yep. all, all kinds of signings all over the place. And, oh, yeah, Connor McDavid signed. So there's there's all kinds of signings, and they'll continue through the summer, but the, the lack of a deadline really you know, takes away a lot of the, the dynamic stuff that could happen. Right. All right, let's get into some of the free agents that signed. I want to get your opinion on them and uh, and what you think. But first up, you mentioned it, Connor McDavid, the big news, eight-year, $100 million, 12.5 uh, AAV. Um, and this was reported to be a little higher last week, I think, by a, a few media outlets. Now, it's 16.7% of the cap. Uh, when OV, that, that's because it seems like a huge number, right? But you got to remember the cap's gone up. And OV was 19%. Sydney was 17.3. So McDavid is lower than those two in the percent of the team cap. So to me, massive win for the Oilers. Great job. Well, I mean, they, they don't really have a choice. No, uh, that's what I mean. You know, I, I wouldn't call it a massive win. And the reason <laughs> I wouldn't is that when. Ovechkin and Crosby signed, uh, the cap went up significantly in the next five to seven years. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing on the horizon that tells us that that's going to happen. You know, it it might go up in dribs and drabs. Mm -hmm. And so the difference being, you know, at one point Crosby's and Ovechkin's number was so significant, and in rather short order, it was down quite a bit as far as percentage right. of the cap. Right. That's not going to be the case with McDavid's, I don't think. No, I hope so. Yeah, who knows? I right. hope yeah. there's all yeah. kinds of new revenues, and, and that becomes a shrinking portion of the cap. But the guy's amazing. He's an astounding player. Um, you don't give that type, of, that type of cap percentage to somebody that's not yeah. of this ilk. If somebody else wants to do it to another player, then they're idiots. Um, you know, Carey Price signed for 10.5. He's the best goalie in the world. Mm-hmm. Connor McDavid is the best player in the National Hockey League since Sidney Crosby. There, there's nobody else that you can even compare, in my opinion, yeah, I, to I what McDavid is going to do over the next seven or eight years, nine years now that he's, you know, because his, his money doesn't kick in for mm-hmm. another year. Yep. Um, I was really impressed when I saw his press conference yesterday. All of a sudden, he just seemed not like a young kid. He just seemed really mature and really sure of himself. And he, they asked him about, you know, you know, the amount of money. And he's like, you know, you set yourself up for life. I mean, if you can't live on a hundred million dollars and he kind of laughed and yeah. I was like, <laughs> right. cause that's what everybody else is thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so I just, I thought, I thought McDavid did an amazing job yesterday. I think he's an astounding player and the Oilers are, you know, as lucky as the Leafs were to get Matthews. Mm-hmm. Like, they were lucky to win the lottery that year. They were lucky to to suck so badly in the previous half decade that they were in a position to get that player. And now they've got him locked up through the best years of his career. I, I mean, the Oilers had to do it. I'm sure they would have liked it to be less money. But, hey, that's the way it goes. You've got, 
you've got a player that you just have to get done, and you have to get him done for a long time. Mm-hmm. Where do you think Leon Dreisaitl slots in? What, lots of talk about that. Um, Ten million, eight million, six million. What do you think? Well, I've seen a couple of real sharp articles on um, you know comparing uh, players that sign long contracts, their second mm-hmm. ones, and they're in the five to six year range. Now, maybe the Oilers will like to go a little longer with Dreisaitl mm-hmm. because they can. Um, one thing that now I don't doubt that Dreisaitl. Is a is a centerman and he's a line driver. Yep. I don't doubt that for at all. But what I would want to be a little sure about, and I'm sure the Oilers are talking, or they should be talking, is mm-hmm. something like 37 percent of his points came on right wing with McDavid. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so you have to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. You know, because if that's the case, if you're paying huge money for a guy to be a right winger on McDavid's line, I don't think you're getting full bang for the buck. And the reason I say that is you could put another player there who might not be Leon Dreisaitl, but he's going to get a goodly percentage of points that Dreisaitl will get because he's playing with McDavid. You need McDavid to be a centerpiece of a second line. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl. To be the second piece, the second, piece, the second centerpiece of yep. your team. Yep. He has to be if you're paying that kind of money. Yeah, I'm with you. Like it, it, it took him a year after being drafted. He didn't burst into the league like Matthews or McDavid. It took him a year and 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 all that. So and those points, I see those points listed all the time in in the media, and I'm like, but but wait, he played with McDavid a lot. So hold on here. Um, but he is like but you see, said. Here's the difference yeah. for me. Yep. He's six foot four. Yep. He's skating is better than adequate. I thought that might be a little bit of a drag on him, but mm-hmm. I don't think it is. Actually, I'm I'm. I don't even think about it. I think he's just fine. He's a fabulous passer of the puck. So if you have somebody that can finish on his wing, he's going to drive that line. Mm-hmm. And so it took him a year. Big deal. In two years, are you going to even remember? No, 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 no. The I'm answer just, is no. Yeah. You know, so I, I think you're, you're playing the long game here. You're going to bet on a guy because you know his personality. Um, you know his capabilities and you know its potential and the Oilers would know that they should know that better than anybody else they should know his personality better than anybody else um, I'm friends with um, a guy the coach and general manager at the time of the Prince Albert Raiders where Dreisaitl came um, mm-hmm. from home um, Germany from yep. Germany yep. to Canada to play in the Western Hockey League he came to Prince Albert at this tiny little place that people don't wouldn't know in the States, but this tiny little place in Saskatchewan. And, and he was a a star almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And my friend, uh, Bruno Campesi is his name. He said his, his ability to work, his ability to focus was like miles ahead of other kids. He wanted to be the best. He wanted to be the first pick in the draft. And so there's a drive inside him that, the Oilers must be very comfortable with because whatever the deal is going to be, it's going to be upwards of, you know, $50 million. Yep. Like it's an enormous, enormous commitment. Yep. And, and I would do it. Yep. If I'm the Oilers, I would do it for sure. And, I, I think he's a terrific player. And if I was another team, I'd offer sheet him. I don't know why uh, these managers guys. are, you know, they talk <laughs> about it. 
you know, driving up the cost of business. It, in a way, it doesn't because if you're a team and you offer sheet dry sidle at eight million dollars, the Oilers either match it or they don't. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, they get the the draft pick yep. for dry sidle. I think eight mil is like they three. They can turn around and trade yep. Yep. for a very profitable player. Um, you know, maybe they go. Maybe they would take those picks and move after Matt Duchesne, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's just a, a made up thing, but that that would be an example. Or they they match it, and now they got to do something else with the rest of their roster. But it can it's a salary cap. It's not really inflationary because the costs are fixed. In my opinion, yeah. So it would be I w- I would I would make an offer sheet if I was a team looking for a number one center. Because I hear all the time, you can't find them unless you draft them. Yep. Well, here's one sitting there on a branch. It's in the rules. Mm-hmm. Nobody says you've got to be a really good guy. You've got to be a guy that wants to win. And that, yeah, somebody's going to offer sheet one of your players in the future. Oh, well, you got the same decision. Yeah. You match, and you got to figure out the salary, or you don't, and you take the draft picks. Yeah. I would do it. Yeah, it's it hasn't happened for years now, right? Like I can't remember the last yeah, one. I don't know. It's like yeah. a rule that's like yeah, you know, that's there and nobody uses it, and I and I don't quite understand why they don't. Right. Also, too, do you think Puyarvi makes the jump next year for the Oilers? Probably, right? Well, I think he's given absolutely every opportunity to yep. to make that team. That's going to be good. Like, I, I don't. Yeah. You know, I, again, you know, I I know there were some people that seemed disappointed that. He didn't make it, and he didn't make this, you know, this great impact that that Patrick Lyonnais has uh, that made in Winnipeg, and you know the way that the you know the draft went with Matthews and all that. Mm-hmm. He's a 19 year old kid, so he maturing. He's maturing at a slower rate. I I don't even care about that because mm-hmm. I watched him play in junior, and my vision is still that mm-hmm. where he was big and dominant. He can pass the puck. He can really shoot it. And so it's going to take him a while. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that just happens. I, I don't – like, for example, the Canucks have a defenseman, Ole Liuolevi. He was taking one pick in front of Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk had a phenomenal season last year in Calgary. But that doesn't mean that Uolevi isn't a top-end prospect. Mm-hmm. It took him an extra year. It might take him two years. Yeah. That's the way it goes when you draft 18-year-olds. Yeah. And uh, it seemed to me, Ray, and maybe I got the wrong impression, but when we were doing our pods, um, you know, about the draft year, you were higher on Pui Arvey than you were Line. To me, like you loved him. I was. I had them about equal. Yeah. Yeah. I. So, I like. I. So think about that. Like I, right? I wanted to. I felt like I wanted to defend Pui Arvey because people were just, you know, uh, it seemed like people and scouts and. Uh, media that hadn't seen him play or had only seen him play a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, they were looking at him in a real negative light. And I, I, I feel that's incorrect. Now, I might miss, but I watched him, what, 14, about 30 times, mm-hmm. I guess, over a couple of World Junior Championships. Um, and so that's a longer viewing for me over a couple of seasons than we normally get. Now I don't see him as much as Craig Button would. Yeah. But in talking to Craig and in talking to other people, there was no 
there was no counterpoint to thinking he was not a top prospect. I was stunned that Columbus went past him mm-hmm. and took Dubois. Yep. Now, that'll prove to be a really good move or not in the next few years, but I, uh, I like Puglia-Yarvi, and I think he'll... I think he'll get every opportunity to to show that he's ready to to play in Edmonton next year. Yeah, I was shocked the Finnish GM did not take the Finnish player that was ranked so highly. Almost made me think he knew his parents back home or something. I don't know. Uh, It was crazy. Um, Okay, so let's start with my beloved Maple Leafs. Uh, Patrick Marlowe, three-year, $18 million deal. Ron Hainsey, uh, Dominic Moore, three signings. I think, to me, Ray, this kind of means... That doesn't mean anything, like, for sure. But to me, I was a little surprised that they went with the vets. And to me, it's a sign that Lou and and Brendan Shanahan and Mike Babcock are like, okay, yeah, next year we can be really, really good. And and why not, right? But um, it doesn't really fit a younger building team. So I think that they just said, yeah, we're good now, you know? Like, these are are pieces you add to – complete the team, and uh, and I like it, but um, what do you think? Well, I, I would say, looking at what McDavid just signed for, mm-hmm. I, don't think, I don't think Matthews will be in that stratosphere, but um, I think he's, you know, next July 1st, they're going to have to start dealing with extensions for these guys. Yep. And so you can see, if you look a couple of years down the road, where the problems are going to sit. I, I think this Marlowe deal is a two-year deal, mm-hmm. and a third year is a throwaway deal. Um. Robert Island, Robert Island type deal. Well, or? Yeah, sure, maybe, okay. but you know, like I, I look at this as they're, you know, they're paying a, uh, like everybody else, a huge chunk of the money is in bonuses. Mm-hmm. You weren't getting them for two years, so you had to pay the third year. So if you, I think it's third year salary is like one point three million or something. Yeah. If you take, so the the deal was eighteen point what? Uh, eighteen point seven five. Okay, so if you take one three off of that, you're now, you know, you're seventeen and a half, something yep. like that, just inside of seven, outside of seventeen million. Mm-hmm. You're paying him that for two years. If you get anything in the third year, it's an absolute bonus. So they're looking at in the Eastern Conference, Pittsburgh's going to have to change their team considerably because they just they just are. Um, Washington is already are, yeah. shredded, and so. Those are two of the very best teams. You were already in the playoffs next year or last year. Why can't you be as good as some of those other teams? Why can't you be built in a different way, but why can't you be like Nashville, like Nashville's in the Western Conference, like young and mobile and fast? Look what Nashville did. All of a sudden you're like, wow, they're set up for a long time with a lot of younger players. Toronto's the same thing, but they're going to run into some real – cap issues soon. Yep. So why not sure, be yeah. as good as the other teams in the East? Mm-hmm. And I think they can be. Yeah. Which team blows you away and says, oh, they're way better than Toronto? The answer is really nobody. Nope. Boston has a really great group of young players. And in the next couple of years, they might be and should be a real significant contributor. But I think Frederick Anderson's every bit as good as Tuka Rask. The only place this goes off the rails for Toronto is if Anderson gets hurt yeah. or if their defense doesn't continue to grow. But they signed two Swedish kids that kind of went under the radar in May, 
they didn't sign those guys to play in the American League. They think they'll push for jobs. They signed a yep. veteran in Ron Hainsey to help balance out that third pair. You know, they've got Zaitsev signed for seven years. Mm-hmm. This is a team that thinks they and should think they can compete right now. And Marlowe's got 25-plus goals in him. Absolutely. I didn't mind the signing at all. Yeah. Um, and Hainsey's a, like a better Roman Polak, right? Babcock's going to love him. He's just going to well, grind I, it out. Penalty the kill. Difference is, yeah. you know, Polak brings a real scary edge to him. <laughs> yeah, he is that a scary man. That the Leafs right. don't, that Hainsey doesn't have. Yeah. Um, you know, basically, in my mind, they traded out Hainsey for Hunwick. Mm-hmm. And I... I yeah, I, guess I, I, I don't. You know, I don't really yeah. have an opinion on one being way more right. valuable than the other. I think Hainsey slides into that role where he penalty kills. He plays fourteen, fifteen minutes a night, and um, you know, it's funny. Nine hundred and seven games, he wasn't in the playoffs. Now he's a Stanley Cup champion, right. and, and there's like a real was, appeal to his game. He was now. literally an afterthought into for Pittsburgh picking him up. Like everyone's like, yeah, yeah, depth guy. Like he, he'll, he'll probably dress most games. You know, like like that's how it was looked at. But then injuries hit. Well, yeah, but yeah. they picked him up after Chris Letang was hurt. Yeah, and so they knew they had holes, and they knew that they needed guys that were going to be able to to hold play. You know, like not get run over in mm-hmm. the play. And you know, Jim Rutherford had Hainsey in Carolina. He felt comfortable bringing him in and. Uh, you did a really good, understated job for him, and yeah. that's yeah. that's again where you're. If you're bringing in older players, that's what you want to have for them is a role that they can achieve. You don't want them to have to outkick their coverage as they get older, mm-hmm. and and that's a real good spot for Hainsey to be in. And and Hunwick went to Pittsburgh, so it was almost like a trade, like you said. It, um, it's amazing, isn't yeah. it? The way it, the um, way it works. And uh, Dom Moore basically replaces Brian Boyle at, at a cheaper price, and and I've always liked Dominic Moore. He played for the Leafs. You know, before I think for three years, and I always liked him. I always thought he was a solid dude, a good penalty killer, wins face off. Solid penalty yeah. killer. He's in the right role again. Yep. They're not. You know, that's not going to be a role that Babcock's looking for fifteen or eighteen minutes from. No. Nope. But he wants to play four lines when he can, and uh, when they had Goche there, uh, Frederick Goche before he got hurt or sent down and then hurt. Um, they didn't play their fourth line. They played about 11 forwards or 10 forwards a lot of nights. Babcock likes to stretch his bench out a little more, and mm-hmm. Moore will help him do that. Um, it's going to look weird, right, to see Patrick Marlowe. I mean, never mind the Leafs uniform, any uniform other than the Sharks. Wow, it's going to be weird. Well, but. 20 years, and, you know, he played his first exhibition game and uh, saw some some cool little note uh, uh Austin Matthews wasn't born yet. He was three days away from being born. And <laughs> Marlowe played yeah, his yeah. first exhibition game with right. the Sharks. Crazy. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. 27 last year? 27 goals, I think. So, 27, you know, yeah. yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, still skate, can still shoot, and uh, I think he's probably got a you know a penciled-in spot next to Matthews. And, um, you know, Zach Hyman signed a four-year extension right. yesterday. I saw that. And yep. so, you know, he'll move into a role where he's better suited. Um, I, I think they're just a good team. They just I look at them and I'm like, wow. They, after being not so good for a long time, mm-hmm. they, you know, we talked about this with the Blue Jays. While they were being not so good, mm-hmm. they were compiling a lot of picks. And Hyman was in a trade. Kapanen was in a trade. You know, so they drafted Nylander. So it's not all draft. It's about putting young people in positions that you think they can grow, and then you hope a, lo- a whole bunch of them hit because. 
many don't. Yeah. I was very surprised, Ray, that Alexander Radulov did not get a deal done with the Habs. Now, the Habs did get Carl Alsner, five-year, $23 million, and they needed some help on the back end. Markov's still not signed, of course. Sergachev, their, their guy that was going to be penciled in, was traded. Um, I was surprised they couldn't get a deal done, but uh, Radulov goes to Dallas, 31 mil for five years. Uh, first of all, what did you think of him, of, uh, of not being able to, uh, Habs not being able to get it done, and, and what do you think of the new move to Dallas? Well, apparently the you know Montreal came back with an offer that matched Dallas, but you know Dallas again. I talked earlier about the state tax, and he's making a whole pile more money in Dallas than he is in Montreal, even though it's mm-hmm. the same money. Right. Um, he's going to a very good team, or what should be a good team. He's going to play with offensive players, which is really good for him. But I understand Montreal not wanting to to make a big bet, but in doing that. In my opinion, they just treaded water. Kind of. They brought in right. Drouin, yep. and they lose Radulov. So I don't see them as a better offensive team. The only way they're a better offensive team is if Galchenyuk and Gallagher have rebound seasons. Uh, Gallagher had a terrible start last year, and then he broke his hand again. Mm-hmm. Um, Galchenyuk started well, got hurt. I think people forget, he in this, into December, he was playing center and putting up some points. Uh, to you know, a, a really good rate of points. Mm-hmm. He got hurt, and he was never the same. He ended up on the wing, and you know the year became a write-off. So the, to me, as much as we look at Drouin being a key for them, and he is, offensively for me, the key is Gallagher and, and Galchenyuk. Um, as, as far as Alsner, um, what you see is what you get. You're not going to get points. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to get a durable guy who doesn't miss games, who defends well. Um, who who probably is you know a, a guy that you either play with um, with Weber or with Petrie. Weber might need a little more mobility than Alzner. Um, if they don't get Markov back, and Markov's going to get into a position here where he's going to lower his demands, mm-hmm. or he's going to get one year yep. on the deal. And if it's one year, I think he's back in Montreal. If it's two, it's going to be a reduced rate for sure. He's his own agent. Did you read that? Yeah, I see that. I I don't know what I think about that, but I don't know either. Um, it's, it's fine if you're just negotiating with one team. Yeah. Um, you know, you can pick up the phone and have the same conversation with Mark Bergevin as your as your agent can. But when you're in a spot like now where you're trying to um, you know, maybe work yeah. one team against another or yeah. or see what else is out there, I, I I think you probably need to rehire somebody. Yeah, I'm with you. It's surprising because you're trying to you're a UFA. You're trying to get one more deal, right? Um, uh, yeah, but if you think you're only talking to one team, you don't need an agent. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're when you're now in his spot, I think you need more than I, I think you need more than yourself. I'm guessing that Mark Bergevin of the Habs is thinking he's taking another Radulov type gamble with Alice Hemsky. You know, and now Hemsky's not the guy he once was, and he's not like in the spot of Radulov. He's older and everything. But I, I could totally understand uh, uh, Bergevin saying, well, it worked once. It worked once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've i always liked Hemsky. I think mm-hmm. he's a, a more courageous player than people think. You know, he gets knocked about being soft. And I don't know that he is. I... I just I never I never saw that in Hemsky. The one the critique I had on him is I always wanted him to shoot the puck more than he does. 
Um, it's almost like a last resort for him. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's been shredded by injury, shoulder problems, hip problems. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think it's a a one-year, low-cost, low-risk, almost no-risk attempt uh, to bring in a little bit of offense. If he's healthy, I think he can perform uh, at a decent level. Two years ago, he played on a third line with Radic Foxa once Foxa was called up in Dallas, and they were really good. Mm-hmm. And Hemsky helped create um, offense both on that line and on the second power play. And in Montreal, I, I don't see the risk to this. So you lose Radulov, you bring him in, you hope Drouin makes a difference, um, you hope Galchenyuk and Gallagher rebound, as I mentioned earlier, and you have enough offense that way. But um, you know, they seem still a little thin to me offensively. Uh, my buddy who's a Canucks fan, he's very confused, Ray. Uh, Delzato, Gagne, uh, I think I'm missing somebody. Uh, Chad Johnson went, um, Anders Nielsen. What's Vancouver doing? Are they rebuilding? Or are they trying to make a little run for the playoffs here? Well, I think they think they're doing both, but okay. I don't know how hard they think they're making a run for the playoffs. They're trying to... They're trying to buy some time uh, for a crop of young kids to come in and, mm-hmm. and try and make a difference. Um, I don't know that any of the deals money-wise was, was too prohibitive. Yep. Uh, I don't know that I would have gone to three years on Gagne, but you know, he obviously had some other leverage that off a 50-point year in Columbus. But I, I you know... I don't feel like they way overspent or anything like that. I mm-hmm. I think they'd like they'd like to be better than last year. They'd like to score a little more than last year. They'd like to help their younger players along a little bit. So you know they added a forward, a defenseman, and a goalie. Um, they weren't going to resign Miller, so they needed a goalie. Nilsson, I think, is better than what people might view him as. He's mm-hmm. played on some terrible teams. Uh, don't forget, two years ago in Edmonton, he signed along with Cam Talbot. And early in the year, Nelson was the starter. That's true. He You're outplayed right. yeah. Cam Talbot yeah. Yeah. Uh, into December, I believe. And then Talbot took over, and Nelson fell apart a little bit. But I think he's more than capable of, of doing a good job for them. Uh, Delzato's been another guy shredded by injuries, and um, you know he hopes to find a, a little bit of a form where he's a good passer. He's, you know, he can help quarterback a power play. And Gagne, I feel he's better on the wing. I don't know that the Canucks had a great need on the wing, but their center ice position is, you know, they got they got Sedin, they got Sutter, and they got Horvat. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that Gagne is a fourth centerman for them. You know, I don't know he would be the number four guy, but they're kind of they're kind of set in the middle of the ice unless they move Sutter to the wing, where I'm not sure he's a winger. So they, it's a little confusing to me. It's a little bit of a well. There's no real clear path I see for them positionally, for their players, but they're going to have to get that organized, and um, I think that's probably what this year is about. To me, these guys are just good enough to get the team to miss the playoffs again and miss out on a high draft pick, which is kind of not what you want to do. But Well, I don't know that they're going to go from 30th to 60th, or 29th to 16th. They might go from 29th to 25th or 24th. Okay. I, I, yeah. You yeah. Know, I, I don't... I don't you know, you're not getting 80 points from Sam Gagne and 50 points from mm-hmm. from Dell's Auto. And, and don't forget as well, the Canucks had to replace two NHL defensemen in Lucas Pisa, who went to Vegas, and, and Trampkin, who went back to Russia. Back home, yeah. 
you know, so they they had to replace players, and and uh, I'd be surprised if they don't bring in another defenseman, perhaps on a PTO towards training camp. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk's deal, Rangers. We everyone, all of you guys, thought he would end up in New York, and uh, and he did, and uh, took a little bit of a uh, of a haircut, I think, from people what they were thinking about. He, they, he kind of thinking he was a seven mil a year guy, so didn't quite get there. Well, I would say he got more like, as far as a haircut, I would say he got a little bit of a trim, mm-hmm. not not a real haircut. Yeah, you let's know, not I mean, let's not have a food a drive for him or anything. Right. No, I mean he had a dreadful playoff. He was mm-hmm. he did not fit in Washington as well, at all. Um, in St. Louis, he was, you know, he kind of played sheltered minutes a little bit behind uh, Colton Pareko and and Alex Petrangelo. Uh, Petrangelo, in my mind, is one of the top ten or twelve D in the league, and so they were able to get Shattenkirk out against forwards that were you know probably better suited for him to try and defend against. Um, the guy can pass the puck. He can run a power play. Man, he's he really makes a good first pass out of the zone. Defensively is where mm-hmm. the issue is for him. And in New York, they're not going to be able to shelter him. So they have to hope that he's able to handle that. And it's a it's a you know it's a pretty good bet. It's four years. It's a lot of money. And and they have to hope that Shattenkirk can can make a real difference for them. Uh, Steve Mason goes to Winnipeg. Brian Elliott goes to Philly. Thoughts on that? I'm having a tough time following the goalies around. I know, right? Man, there's about seven of them that were going all over the place. Uh, Mason's interesting to me in Winnipeg because he bitched about the two-goalie system in Philly. He didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's where he's going. That's what yep. he's doing in Winnipeg. Right. Yep. You know, He's not going there to be anything other than 1B. I mean, Connor Hellebuck's their guy, and they're going to push Hellebuck to be that. Now, if he stumbles, you know, Mason will have a chance to, yep. to play – uh, you know more of the starting role, but you know you get to a point. It doesn't matter really what you like or what you think. <laughs> it's it's right. okay. This is the best chance that I've got available to me. Winnipeg needed to upgrade their secondary goaltending behind Hellebuck, and you know when you listen to Hellebuck talk, he wants to be and thinks he is the number one goalie, and Mason likes to be the number one goalie. So that'll be an interesting one to to watch. Philly's been dancing around their goalie position for forever. Mm-hmm. It seems like you know they. Yeah. I can't even list to you the number of goalies they've gone through in the last ten years. Right, it's um, crazy. But Elliott had a terrific year two years ago, a terrible start last year, a great finish, and a wonky playoff. So there are questions about where Elliott is. There's a question about what Michael Neuvirth is, the other goalie in yep. Philly. So it's not like they're signing a standalone number one guy. But they, you know, they're they're clearly in in lack of that option. They're trying to put together the best number one two combination they can. And um, Elliot, why can't he be better than he was at the start of last year? Why can't he be closer to the guy he was in the second half of last year? Mm-hmm. That's that's what they have to be banking on. Yeah, you're right about that. I'm just racking my brain. I mean, Ron Hextall, the last time that they had an elite number one guy to start 60 games, I, am I missing somebody? I mean, they went through Ben well, Beesberg. They went and through Roman Czechmanek and oh, Robert Ash. Czechmanek wasn't bad for a couple of years there. Well, yeah, but yep. I mean, he was not a guy you wanted to count on. No, no. My goodness, he was all over the place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, I mean, they, you know, there was, you know, Rizgalov, those two guys, yeah. there's, there's Mason, there's Neuvirth, there's... Um, uh, 
Leighton. Leighton, yeah, I forgot Michael Leighton. Yeah, he, he, you know, he was the... in Stanley Cup finals yeah, for them. Right, right. Like it's it's you know it's been a revolving door, and they're they're hoping for. I guess they hope there's some stability. They have a with these two guys, they have a real good prospect. They like Anthony Stolarz, uh, third round pick a couple of years ago, and you know he had hip surgery two years ago, um, but he's advanced to the point where they're probably thinking he's about a year away. I texted you and told you that Elliot was going to Winnipeg, so maybe I'll stay out of the insider business. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. <laughs> probably a good move, right? Um, yes. Jumbo Joe goes back to the Sharks for one year, eight million. He was looking for more years, um, but but Doug Wilson there probably knew he had him. Like you love it here, Joe. You're coming back, so right. Well, they're able to offer him eight million bucks, and mm-hmm. you know, I, there's nobody going to dance to that number. And yep. um, you know, I mean, it, it it would be a tough one to leave for Thornton, although Marlowe just did it. Yeah. Um, I I think the deal had to be so good with a team that was really good for Thornton to really consider it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you had, he had to be thinking, if this team doesn't have a legit chance to win, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Like another team, like to pick up and move somewhere. You know, and he might be a guy, you talk about your scope that you got before camp at 37. Well, well Joe's coming off uh, ACL, MCL. The summer of 17 could be the year that Joe Thornton just, I mean, never was a speedster, but... He could come to camp, and he could honestly be a, a candidate for what happened, you know? Uh, it, there's a risk, Steve, to every one of these guys when they yeah. get older and they get banged up. You just The answer is, like, unfortunately, we all saw Joel, I think, on the cover or the video yeah. with Brent Burns and the, yep. um, the body the issue. Body issue. Yeah. And um, pretty clearly he's in great shape. Mm-hmm. But – Sometimes that doesn't matter. Sometimes your body just doesn't move you along as fast as you need to go. He's, ne- he's never going to win skating races. But last year there was a point he had four, four goals. Three of them were into empty nets. Yeah. Crazy. And one of them wasn't even a goal because somebody threw a stick and knocked the puck off his stick. <laughs> didn't even he actually shoot it. Right, it didn't net. actually get so it. So there is a concern for me, even though Joe's not a, never been a 25-goal guy. He's always been, you know, 15 or 18 and 60, mm-hmm. you know, 60 assists. Yep. That's a, that would be a concern. What if this is the year? Is there somebody I'm missing, Ray, that you liked, that you really thought was a good signing that maybe I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't write down? Um, um, in my eyes, I, I was going to bring up the Camilleri signing. Uh, Kings got him, Jersey bought him out. Um, he didn't have a great year last year. One year, $1 million. Kings need scoring. He's 35, but I've always liked Michael Camilleri. I don't know what it is. I've always liked his game. So I think well, that's going to be an underrated. A, you know? Last year was a train wreck for yep. him. He had a, um, you know, had a, had a poor year. Um, he had a, a family deal that he was dealing with at home with one of his kids. And, okay. um, you know, I mean... Uh, I know there's some people that think, well, that's no excuse. You should go, but that's bullshit. I mean, if if you have kids or you have family that you care about, um, it's impossible in most cases to just put it aside. Now, Craig Anderson was able to do it in in Ottawa with his wife Nicole battling mm-hmm. cancer. You know, and and I don't even know how the hell he did it. To be honest yeah. with you, they, you know they they must have had help at home because he's got kids and but. Man, you know, I mean, you're dealing with stuff you've got no control over, and your and really your your time at the rink doesn't solve any of the problems at home. 
and Camilleri got off the beat. He got hurt. He, I don't know. I, he just he didn't yep. have it. Yep. But for the Kings to sign him for one year, I don't, I don't have any problem with this. He might find some magic. Yep. Um, he might find something on Kopitar's wing sure. uh, to give Kopitar somebody to pass the puck to because he can still shoot it. Um, those these one year deals, Steve. I don't have a problem with them at all. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Sharp, too, another yeah, one-year deal, go back to Chicago. Yeah, see, now there's a guy that I think got old in the last year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he can be able to skate well enough because if you go back to his time in Chicago in the last year, he was a third-line player. You know, he didn't get faster. He had hip surgery. I just don't know how that's going to work. So out of all the ones we've talked about, What's the best one and worst one in your eyes? Which one is the team's going to go? Uh, I don't oh, know. God, I don't. I don't know. I don't have the list right now. <laughs> okay. um, uh, the best free agent signing. Oof. I mean, Dallas made some moves, but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I. It's not a free agent signing, but I think Mark Mathot will be a big help in Dallas. Yep. Um, I I really I really like what he might be able to do to help solidify a defense that was a train wreck, you know, just a, mm-hmm. a disaster last year. You know, like they, you know, right. um, you know, I, I think for significance, I don't, I don't mind Marlowe in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Carolinas added a couple of players. I think they're close to being a real dangerous team. Yep. Um, yeah, Justin Williams. How we went player. big. Yep. Um, you know, I, I like their addition of Travis Hamanick, um, the re-signing of Michael Stone. Um, if Mike Smith has anything left in goal, mm-hmm. I think they could be a really, really good team. You know, Dallas, you mentioned. I mean, those are the teams that yeah. made the biggest move to me. Um, does Yager <laughs> find a home, Ray, or is this it? Is this it? Uh, maybe later in the summer. Okay. Um, here's the thing with Yager. In my opinion, yep. um, he was in a, a really favorable spot uh, with Jonathan Huberto and Alexander Barkov. He's still able to pass the puck. Um, he can control the puck and hold it. But when you bring Yager into your team, you never bring Yager, a player like Yager, in as a supporting player. Even if he thinks or wants to be a supporting player, and even if that's your thought, mm-hmm. he takes up too much air in the room. He's such an enormous personality. He's a legend of the game. Right. And so by coming there, he dwarfs almost the rest of the room. And that's a really difficult thing to manage. Interesting. Because you're, you're not really bringing Yager in to play 12 minutes, but can he play 16 or 17? Can he play at the pace that most guys have to play at? He can go slower because he can. Other guys can't. <laughs> right. And so I, you know, I wonder about Yaga. But again, if you're Montreal, for example, if you can bring him in on a one-year deal at a couple of million bucks, why not? Yeah. Yep. Well, why not? What do you got to lose? If he doesn't play and will play well, well, then that's the way it goes. But they need offense. Can you give them forty points? play their second, you know, manage their second power play. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Vanek? You know, at 45, he's now eligible to collect his NHL pension. (laughs) It's crazy. And you know what? When you looked at it, when he left the NHL, you know, Capitals to Rangers, I mean, I never thought we'd ever see him again. Like, he seems, you know, overpaid, uh, not trying hard, the shell of what he used to be. 
And here he is still playing and loving the game. And you hear these stories about him going to the rink at midnight. And it's a real surprise to me that, like, he you – know, I just never thought back when he was Rangers and Capitals that we'd see yeah, this guy. It seems, so. Well, it seems forever ago because it almost is. It's <laughs> NHL players' right. careers ago that he left to the, to the KHL and came right, back. Right. Yeah, just nuts. Uh, Shane Doan find a home? Or is this it? See, I don't. I don't think so because no. I can't imagine he's going to uproot his family for one year. Sure, yeah, yeah. And la- you know, last year was a real difficult year for him. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe late in camp, somebody thinks it's a good idea. They look at their roster and they sign him to a one-year deal. But I, I think it would be really difficult uh, at his stage to to pick right. up and move, considering he had plenty of chances to move and he didn't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thomas Vanek, what do you think? Find find somewhere. Probably, right? Same kind of deal, late camp? Same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a Vanek fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there always looks like there's more there, or you're going to get more than he provides. Right. All right, let's move on to the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. I love debating this. I love reading all these articles. I always um, I love talking about it. Um, Paul Correa gets in, Timu Solani gets in, Andrew Chuck Recchi, uh, Daniel Goyette, and uh, Claire Drake as well, a coach. Um, nice to see Correa in. Uh, we had Solani on the pod, you know, two, three months ago. He said Paul didn't like the game of hockey, you know, felt like it, 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 he wasn't treated right with his injuries and kind of the, the way that the league was playing at the time. So nice to see him, uh, you know, back into the be recognized by the game, and, and hopefully this mends some fences and, and, and awesome. It's, it's awesome to see them go in together. He should go in. I'm glad he's in. I'm glad he's going in with Solani because they're they're great friends. Um, I hope this somehow brings Paul back to the game. Uh, I think he would have a lot to offer. Um, I've always been interested that you now maybe he doesn't want to do anything with it, but mm-hmm. like you know, the Department of Player Safety has a bunch of guys that were all tough guys on it. Right? Why wouldn't Paul Correa or somebody like that be involved? Yeah. Makes no sense to me. Yep. If I were the NHL, I would reach out and try and mend a fence with Paul. He's a really, really smart guy. I know you hear this a lot about people. He's a really clever guy. He has a different view of the game. What's wrong with bringing that view back into the game? Mm-hmm. Hopefully the Hall of Fame will help mend a bridge and bring him back to the game. Because I think the game would be a better place if he's involved. You think they'll induct Timu's illegal blade that you were bringing up on the pod with him? <laughs> well, along with I hope his statue. I hope his you know the bust there, the, yeah. the carving that they put in. I hope it has beside his ear that blade because his carving <laughs> would have to be twice as big. Um, but his speech will be great. It'll yeah. be off the cuff. Yep. He'll look disheveled like he always does, <laughs> and he will be laughing, and he will. He'll probably cry like he's. He's just a really incredible guy. Yeah, and I'm uh, I, I I look forward to seeing uh, what he will what he will present at his right. induction. You uh, you've always said Mark Recchi needs to get in, and he finally does. Um, so good for Mark Recchi, a uh, great player for for many years. So that's a, you know I think a three time Stanley Cup winner. Yep, um, fifteen hundred points. Um, the volume of his career and the effectiveness of his career. He, he should go in. See, I have a different view of him and Dave Andrichuk, however, and I hate saying this because he's now been voted in. It's like we're debating whether he's a good player or not, and that's not 
yeah. ever been my my thought with Andrew Chuck. He's always been a good player. Of course. But I don't think, even with the volume of goals that he's had, that mm-hmm. he was a Hall of Fame difference maker. Yeah, I'm kind of with I you. Don't have a yep. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Uh, and, and if it didn't happen, it's been a long time. And uh, you know, if it didn't happen now, why, why now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, it didn't happen for years and years. And why now? But, um, but yeah, he's going in also. So let me ask. Let me uh, quiz you, Ray. Who's the highest points total? Who's going to take the place of Recky and Andrew Chuck in terms of goals as the highest points pl- uh, produced player? That that's not in the hall. You know. Oh, God, no idea. You're a former teammate? Think about it. I play with a lot of teammates. <laughs> Remember at the start of the show, you listed all 16? <laughs> Pierre Turgeon. Uh, Pierre Turgeon. Oh, thank you, Pete. Yep. Most points Over scored. thousand points. Yeah, most points scored by uh, anybody not in the Hall of Fame. So I guess we'll start yelling about Pierre. I don't know. Well, he should be close, right? Yeah. He should be close. He really should be. So. But again, for for me, he would be just outside. Mm-hmm. Yep, I could get that for sure. I'd put McGillney in for a what, I'm with you for what McGillney he did. Should be yep. in the Hall of Fame. Yep, for what he kind He's of one of the very best players uh, for years in the league. Mm-hmm. He, he should be in for sure. And a little bit of his trailblazing, you know. So um, as far as leaving the Russian team, wanting to play in America and everything else, or in NHL, I should say, and all that. So. Um, all right, a few things to wrap up here on the Paul Pocky podcast uh, uh, with Ray Ferraro. Dave Semenko passed away uh, early, too. Real real bummer, Ray. I'm sure you had many run-ins with him on the ice. Uh, no run-ins, but I was <laughs> my left winger for a while in Hartford. Oh, he was? He and, was your winger? Yep. Oh. You bet. Sammy was a fantastic guy. Humble, mm-hmm. quiet, uh, funny, uh, without... Um, without being the loudest guy ever in the room, with really dry wit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I really got a kick out of him. One, one night we were playing, uh, I was playing on a line with him and Shane Churla. I was like, Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Who would put you on a line with Churla and Semenko? Well, obviously I wasn't scoring much. Clearly. Time, so they, Clearly. <laughs> um, so anyway, we're playing Minnesota. We're at home. There's actually a YouTube um I, we're playing in Toronto, okay. and both Churla and Semenko end up in a fight on the same shift. I'm just kind of standing around. Like they're fighting two different guys on the same shift. I'm just kind of standing <laughs> around. I just went and picked up gloves. So anyways, we're playing a minute against Minnesota. Uh-huh. We haven't had a shift in the second period. Like uh, It's like 25 minutes, yeah. 27 minutes into the game. We haven't had a shift. This is Tex Evans, I've I'm guessing. I've been out for a couple yeah. of shifts on the power play. Yep. But they haven't been on the ice. So Minnesota puts out Willie Platt. Mm-hmm. So finally, that's our line. We get to go on the ice. <laughs> right. Face off in their zone, and Semenko uh, says to us as we go over the boards, well, now it's time for some witty goon talk. Because everybody thinks him and Willie Platt are going to fight. But these guys are like plus 30 at this time. They're like, they're not fighting. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. So we go out on the ice. I win the face off. It goes to the point. The D-man shoots the puck, goalie makes a save, I shoot the rebound in the net. We're literally on the ice for like four or five seconds. <laughs> so we, you know, we yeah, celebrate. And right. Sammy says, uh, I don't know if that's a very good idea. That's not probably going to help us very much. Because <laughs> we're not going to get on the ice again. Right, right. Because the other team's not going to put that line on it. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we go sit on the bench, and a few minutes later, Samanko says, uh, see those fans on the other side of the ice? And Shane and I say, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he said, they think we won a contest and got to dress up with the Whalers tonight. <laughs> and he just burst out <laughs> But that was an example awesome. of, of Dave's humor, just the way he was. He was, uh, I mean, just 59 years old, um, absolutely feared on the ice. Yeah, he I was. I think he only had 70 NHL fights. Right. You yeah. would think the number was way more. But he would look at some at most guys, and that was the end of the problem. Yeah, he was. A, you know what's funny is he was. Was he six three, six two? Yeah, he wasn't that big now, but back then he was huge. But he also carried himself in a way mm-hmm. that was like this look that he had when he was on the edge. You're right. He's not. You know. I mean, there's lots of guys six two yeah. and three. Oh yeah. But he would even look big today. Yeah. yeah. Just the way he was. He also scored the last goal in the World Hockey Association. In the last game of the uh, last Avco Cup, uh, he scored the last goal with like nine seconds left. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he's a bit of trivia there, but sure. um, a really, really popular man, a popular teammate, a really nice, nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Sad to see, uh, and and me being growing up in Winnipeg, of course, uh, Jets Oilers, you know, all the time, and and he was a scary man, and I, you know. Winnipeg would cycle through these guys, Jim Keich, uh, Shane Cronin, and these guys, and Samanko would just still be there, you know, every every game. Oh, so. yeah, he wasn't going anywhere. Um, Glenn Healy, your old teammate, uh, is now the president of the NHL Alumni Association. I heard an interview with him. I've been bugging you to get him on the show, right? Hopefully we do at some point. But um heard an interview with him, and he was saying, like, yeah, we the alumni has really no contact with the NHLPA, and I, it's – we know we're, we're going to work on that, and it's pretty amazing. And but you, you, you are now Glenn Healy is now your leader, right? As the NHL alumni, uh, and uh, Heels will do an awesome job. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one hundred percent right. You're a member of the Players Association. You retire, and now you're out. You don't have anything to do with the Players Association. The Players Association will tell the alumni, and do tell the alumni, we're not the association of retired players. Mm-hmm. But it's an absolute joke that there's no connection between the Players Association and the alumni. And I do know that Glenn will work really hard to make a little bit of a bridge between the two groups. Um, Look, there are are visions of retired players with all kinds of millions of dollars. Some of us have been really fortunate to move into a second career um, that helps us, you know, because we didn't make – a lot of money. Man, just think of the guys in front of me, Steve. Yeah. You asked, oh, yeah. how was I as a 40-goal scorer under the league average? The guys in front of me, the league average, was $150,000. Yep. And they played for four years. And they might have been on the low side of that. Well, now they've got health care costs. They've, you know, they their skills probably don't translate from one job to another very easily. Mm-hmm. Times were different then. And so these guys in a lot of cases, are really struggling. And the, associate, the Alumni Association, uh, one, of the, one of the purposes of it is to help these guys. And so we feel really strongly about it, but in the past, the Alumni Association wasn't even organized to help anybody. And I know Heels will, you know, I've been in contact a little bit with, with some of the guys involved here, mm-hmm. and um, we will work much harder 
under and he, under Heal's leadership to um, to help make this a stronger group. And I hope the Players Association sees the value in it because I would tell every one of these guys that's in the Players Association, your day will end. <laughs> right, that door right. will hit you on the ass. Yep. And then you're going to be part of the Alumni Association. So you should care. Yeah, you should be interested in what goes on. Yeah, I was uh, not putting not putting words in his mouth, but in, in in my takeaway from the interview was that he was not pumped about that, and he couldn't really believe that, and that's what he's going to work on. And me as a fan from the outside, yeah, absolutely. Like you're all going to be in the alumni, and you all, what do you need when you're out of the game? And and so yeah, let's hope that gets all fixed. Well, here's up, the thing: you know? the day that you start. There's only one, the day that you start in the NHL, there's only one thing that is sure, and that's that your career is going to end. Mm-hmm. What happens yep. between the beginning and the end, yeah. nobody is quite sure, but it is going to end, and then you're going to be part of the alumni. Yeah, but before you were doing the, uh, when we, we started the pods with you, and then, and then uh, you, you weren't doing them after a while, so I started doing them with uh, different contacts of yours and different contacts of, of buddies of mine in Winnipeg. And guys, I, and the salaries are shocking when, when I talk to these guys about what they made. I mean, you know, $80,000, $120,000 a year, whatever. I mean, and, my first yeah. contract was $70,000, 80000 90000 Right. Those were my first three years. Yeah. I made 20000 22,000 and 25,000 in the American League. Yep. Just crazy. There were lots of guys that didn't advance anywhere past that. Yep. Absolutely. They're out of the game, and then what? You can say, yeah, go back to school, go train. And lots did. Mm-hmm. But lots, lots of people think that the Alumni Association is rich, it's full of a bunch of rich fat cats. <laughs> yeah. And that's not the case. No, not at all. Well, Glenn Healy now running it. So hopefully that works out. All right, Ray. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening all season. We're not going to keep these up every week because Ray says we're not. So he's taking a break, no, everybody. <laughs> um, vacation time. I'm taking vacation. We will pick this up around October the 1st or no, September. No, we're going to do so, – I'll, I'll get to you at some point. We're, I'm going to try hard to get some of these done in the summer. We'll see how it well, goes. No, well, good for you. Good for you. You try as hard as you want. <laughs> Uh, but we we will be back for the next year. I think so. I think that's the plan, right? We're coming back. The plan's back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Late September, early October. No, no, no. You Never, can go bang don't your listen to Ray as much as you can. Don't. Have one by yourself if you want. <laughs> no I'm one on vacation. Nobody wants to listen to just my thoughts on the NHL. There's no Today chance on that. Is the last day I'm on the air. No, people of any sort don't listen to I'm Ray. making a speech on July 14th <laughs> for a coaches conference. Yeah. I'm with my family. I'm on vacation. You can go pound salt. <laughs> don't worry, everybody. We'll be back at some point. I'm going to work on Ray. So, uh, but yeah, but check ser- your podcast. Check your podcatcher in uh, late September, everybody. Uh, <laughs> thanks, though, Ray, for for a good year, entertaining year. Uh, it's been good, and thanks everybody for listening, man. Uh, we were number one in Canada for sports pods a couple of times, and uh, um, you know people really want to hear what you have to say. And I think it's 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 great takes on everything that's going on in the NHL. And so um, thanks to everybody for listening all year. We'll be back at some point, and uh, yeah, right. 
we will be back. We'll start. Uh, you follow me on Twitter. You follow Paul Pocky on Twitter, and uh, you'll start getting some notices about what we're going to get going. We're going to have. Uh, we're going to work to and have uh, a couple of new ideas and a new things that we're going to work on over mm-hmm. the summer. I will talk to you over the summer, Steve. Not much, but I will. What? And um, we will have a new and different and expanded, hopefully, podcast. Uh, for the 2017-2018 season. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We wouldn't do it if you don't. And uh, hope everybody has a safe, happy, and fun summer. Great. Thanks, Ray. You bet you guys. Take care, Steve. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon.